0: Like to call the regular meeting of the Shoreline City Council for October 23rd, 2023, to order. Will you please join me in the flag salutes? I pledge allegiance
1: to the
0: flag of the United
2: States, of United States
3: of America, the
4: for which stands one nation under God, indivisible, and liberty and justice for <laughs> all.
0: I apologize, I really do know the words. The echo was. Disorienting. Um, will the clerk please call the roll? Mayor Scully present.
5: Deputy Mayor Robertson, Council Member Ramsdale present. Council Member Mark here. Council Member McConnell here. Council Member Poby present. Council Member Roberts
2: here.
0: All right. The Deputy Mayor is not present. Is there a motion related to her absence?
2: I move to excuse Deputy Mayor Robertson. Second.
0: Any opposition? Seeing none, the deputy mayor's absence is excused. Next up is approval of the agenda. Are there any requested changes to the proposed agenda? Seeing none, the agenda is adopted as proposed. Next up is the report of the city manager, Mr. Ellington. Good evening.
6: Small business owners are invited to city hall on Wednesday for a free business development resource expo. The shoreline chamber of commerce and community partners are bringing leading industry experts and resources to help you tackle any challenge and make your business thrive this is a drop-in event from 1 p.m. to 5 p.m. interpreters in Spanish Korean and Amharic will be available no chamber membership is required get more information at shorelinewa.gov forward slash calendar Although snow and ice season may be another month or two away, residents could see multiple snow plows out on the roadways from October 25th through the 27th as crews conduct annual snowplow operator training. This dry run training provides an opportunity for snowplow drivers and support personnel to review procedures, inspect and test all the equipment, and then take to the streets to practice driving the established snowplow routes. Learn more at shorelinewa.gov forward slash news. Construction is begin set to begin on the first of the 2022 park bond projects next week at rich Crest park during construction. The park will be closed. We anticipate completing the improvements by next spring for more information and to see an image of the park improvement design visit the 2022 park bond website at shorelinewa.gov forward slash park bond. And finally, the PRCS tree board will meet on Thursday at 7 PM. And will discuss CIP project tree updates and the prosa plan update draft for a full agenda and information on how to participate in the meeting, visit the city's web calendar. And that concludes the city
0: manager's report. Thank you, Mr. Ellington. Next up is our council reports. Are there any council reports? Council Member
7: Thank you, Mayor. Um, on October 18th, I attended the uh, Regional Crisis Response <laughs> Assembly meeting. Um, uh, present uh, were council members from Kirkland, Bothell, Kenmore, Lake Forest Park, and Shoreline. Uh, just a few highlights are that um, we kind of reviewed the data from the second and third quarters. Um, during that period of time, 509 individuals were served by the program. Um, in here in Shoreline, 104 uh, uh, residents were, were served by that program. Uh, the, the, the largest number of referrals um, out of the 509 were 292 uh, referrals to mental health services. Um, other good news is nine, 9 out of 10 crisis responder positions have been filled. And uh, just uh, recently, the Washington Association of Sheriff and Police Chiefs, uh, Provided a grant to cover the cost of an additional three full t- uh, time employees. Um, that'll be time limited for two years. So things are looking great for the program.
0: Thank you. Thank you. That is good news and thank you for your involvement. Council Member Mork.
8: I attended the Solid Waste Advisory Committee. It was my first meeting. There's discussion about uh, planning on how to maximize the THE CEDAR HILLS LANDFILL AND the NEW TRANSFER STATIONS THAT THEY'RE EITHER BUILDING OR PLANNING TO BUILD IN PLACE OF OTHERS AND IT WAS AN INTERESTING TIME.
0: THANK YOU, COUNCIL Member. OTHER COUNCIL REPORTS? All right. NEXT UP IS PUBLIC COMMENT. THIS IS AN OPPORTUNITY FOR MEMBERS OF THE PUBLIC TO ADDRESS US FOR THREE MINUTES OR LESS ON ITEMS OF CONCERN TO THE CITY, REGARDLESS OF WHETHER THEY ARE ON THE AGENDA. We ask that speakers begin their address with their name and city of residence. And I would note that we are a limited purpose public forum, which means that unlike a street or a sidewalk, this is not an opportunity to say whatever is interesting to you. The comments need to be focused on the city business and they need to be respectful. Do we have anyone signed up for in-person public comments tonight?
5: Yes, we have two people this evening. Mark Noterman and Beatrice Farr.
0: Mr. Noterman? Yeah, please.
9: Hi, my name is Mark Noterman. I'm a 26 year shoreline resident and the co-chair of the North City Neighborhood Association. Uh, my comments are also representative of the position of the neighborhood association. Originally came to speak about uh, an agenda item, which is no longer on the agenda. And that is a potential purchase of real estate property on the core on the address of 10, Northeast One Seventy Sixth Street, identified as King County Tax Parcel Number Six One Six Three Nine Zero Thirteen Sixty Four. The surface water proposal uh, wanted to surface water team wanted was interested in pr- uh, purchase of this land for a uh, for for uh, emergency uh, flood water management and. Um, part of their purchase and this this was brought to my attention by other people in my neighborhood that are familiar with this property. Um, so when we saw that this was on the agenda, we were very interested in this part of their uh, purchase intent was to uh, add a lid to their facility that could be used for public park space. And I'm just coming to represent the neighborhood and our interest in park space of any kind that we can find in North city. North city is going through probably the fastest, uh, densification that's happening in the city outside of the, uh, the Aurora corridor. And of all the other neighborhoods, we really don't have, um, a lot of functional park space close to the business district and close to the areas where the greatest density will be found. So, I guess what I'm saying is kind of preemptive. Uh, there's not an official proposal yet, but I would like to just kind of wave hands for the neighborhood and the neighborhood association and say, we're very interested in seeing this plan proceed and, um, work with uh, whether it's the surface water or if there's a way that this could be worked into, uh, the prosa plan to see it happen and to stand by support it and see something. Very nice that could happen for North City in a very high profile location right on 175th Street uh, as traffic enters into the neighborhood. It's a very nice, uh, high visibility space. That's my comment. Thank you,
5: Ms. Furr.
3: Evening to all. My name is Beatrice Farrar, and I lived in the shoreline area since 09, and I live right off of, actually I'm on 102nd at the Blakely. But coming from Seattle and taking 175th exit, come to Meridian, make a right turn, and on 192nd and Meridian, It is very dark. If you don't see a white picket fence there, and it's almost not seen, so that street is used a lot. Traffic is very heavy on 192nd, and coming off Meridian, I just feel that there should be a light there, or either a stop sign, making a right or left turn. Thank you for listening.
0: Thank you, Ms. Ferrer. Looks like we have four persons sign up for remote public comments. Will you please administer that period?
5: Natalie Chu is
10: first. Hi, I'm, this is Natalie Chu um, from Shoreline. Um, I live in the Blakely uh, multifamily unit um, apartment, renter over 55. I'm, I'm commenting about the comprehensive plan. Um, I am concerned about EV adoption requirements um, when for 2030 when fossil fuel fuel vehicles will no longer be sold. I think we need to put that into the comprehensive plan to for one, um, there's three areas. One is retrofitting existing residential buildings. Um, two is community charging and three is workplace charging um, building retrofitting, and um for, you know, being a rent, I think renters will have the hardest time charging their cars. I don't know if anyone knows, but it takes um, you know, I guess my car it takes five hours to charge. Um and so we, you know, you have to you can't just go to a gas station and just leave it there. Um if you're working every day and you're expecting to charge your vehicle. Um, there, ha- there is an increase in the new construction building code for EV readiness going from 10% to 20%, which means that only one in 10 or two in 10 will be able to charge their car. Um, I think we need to increase that considering that no more fossil fuel vehicles will be sold in 2030. Um, there's going to be a huge demand um, and and for homeowners, they can just plug in, but as renters, we will have a hard time. And to commute using public transit is possible, but let's say you have to go from Shoreline to Tukwila. Um, I got a temp job over there. It would take two hours to get to Tukwila if I got a temp job, to, to attend my temp, temp job each way. So having a car is still really important if you wanna get to work on time. And um, I also wanna say in terms of community charging, um, we wanna definitely increase chargers for all commercial buildings and parking lots. Um, And also I noticed that in the commercial um, building discussions, they wanted to reduce parking spaces and those parking spaces could be potential charging spots for their customers. I think that um, uh, you know, the, I think having parking and charging is a selling point for, um, merchants. Um, looks like the time's ending. So, and then the last one is workplace charging and building retrofitting that makes that kind of speaks for itself. Thank you so much. Thank you, Miss June. Next is Blair, Derek Blackwell.
1: Hello, this is Derek Blackwell. I live nearby the Madeira project on Linden Avenue. here again with the neighborhood concern for long-term traffic hazards I sent an email on September 8th to city staff and council several neighbors added detailed comments so far we've only received one reply from Kate Lee I wrote 15 points concerning driveway access continuing with this the plan is only one driveway connecting to the garage and this is at one of the ends at the corner of this mammoth building point eleven Since residents living at the south end of the building would need to drive underground a tenth of a mile, this would cause annoyance leading to unsafe driving when exiting to Linden Avenue North at the North driveway and at the garage merge point here for two garage levels. 12, school buses stop approximately 75 feet north of the proposed north entrance at the corner of 179th Street North. Lessening traffic tension here by opening the southern driveway to the garage would lessen the danger to children and parents, as well as the disabled residents of Ronald Commons located here. And let's not forget about additional traffic here heading for nearby Brea, uh, potentially engaging in unsafe driving after passing through several nearby choke points before reaching here. Thirteen, the suggestion has been made to restrict traffic to enter from the south and exit to the north. This would result in vehicles making a 180 degree turn in the intersection of Linden Avenue North and North 179th Street which is approximately 25 feet north of this garage entrance and exit causing a hazard at peak hours especially to children and parents at the school bus stop as well as disabled residents at Ronald Commons. Alternatively, providing resident vehicle access to the garage from both the north and south driveways would disperse traffic tensions and reduce hazards. 14 Although the Southern driveway is quite close to the Northern driveway of neighboring Linden Highlands, that driveway is used very little. By far, most of the traffic to and from Linden Highlands is via the Southern driveway, which is more than 200 feet south of the Southern driveway proposed for Madeira. Linden Highlands provides parking for only 82 vehicles and conflicts to the south of Madeira should be minimal. 15, there are no residential driveways on the opposite side of Linden Avenue north south of North 178th Street and therefore few potential conflicts across the street from the proposed southern driveway. On the other hand, on the opposite side of Linden Avenue north, uh, north of 178th Street, all of the homes have driveways and these are much closer to the proposed driveway and planned garage access. And of course, let's not forget about the intersection of North 179th Street, which is almost directly opposite the proposed northern driveway, it's about 25 feet away. Resident access. Resident from both north and southern driveways would disperse traffic tension and reduce conflicts. Thank you for hearing me.
0: Thank you, Mr. Blackwell.
5: Next is Rudy Hess.
11: Good evening, City Council, any members of the public that may be present. Um just checking you guys can hear me all right, correct?
0: Yep, we can hear you whenever you're ready.
11: Fantastic. Um, I've been a resident of Shoreline for 20 years. I've been working as a social worker in the community and neighboring communities for 15 years. Um, Spent my first five years or so working with um, less privileged children, to phrase it that way. And lately, for the last 10 years, I've been working with the unhoused. And I would like to see the City Council and not just here in Shoreline, but ideally in other communities. But I understand that we're only under the purview of Shoreline here take more direct action to help these unhoused people Um, right now what the city is doing and the available resources that we have are not working out we have so and so many beds available within our community and neighboring areas and it's just not enough I, I go on walks with my wife and my two children daily and I'm seeing just over the last five years specifically for myself personally a large influx and increase in these unhoused people and i just think that the city is managing this situation incorrectly i'm not saying we need to go and buy public housing we don't need to build affordable housing that's actually the wrong thing to do as per many studies i mean i can cite three studies in 2017 alone by the usd uh department for housing and it just we need to take a proactive approach and we need to start bussing these niggers and Mexicans south of the stop, border. Or north- stop. Delete. Shut them off, please. <clears throat> right, next speaker,
5: please. Less Shabos.
12: Hello.
0: How are we doing tonight?
12: Whenever you're ready. Hi, yes. My name is Leshebo Goy. Uh, I live at 15028 Ashworth Avenue. Um, I'd just like to thank you for your time. Uh, I'd like to speak on the issue of violent crime, larceny, and break-ins to vehicles. Um, So our city has been facing you know, increasing levels of vandalism, you know, and break-ins to cars and homes, you know, like, my gosh, it's been, it just seems to keep continuing in an upward spiral. Like, for example, last month, my car's passenger window was broken into and yeah, they didn't steal anything, but they still broke into it. I had to pay hundreds of dollars to fix my window. Um, the only thing I can think of to, like, fix this problem is to put the – you know, because we have these people running the streets. We never seem to find them. Like, let's put them in prison. And we need to call it the prosecutors that are giving young black men short sentences to, for atrocious crimes like this, you know? Like 7% of all, all – of the fucking population commits over 60% of no, all violent no, crimes, no,
0: no, no. you know? What? What? Please, please proceed, but you're on the line.
12: I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I did not mean to cuss there. I'm sorry. I'm a cusser. Um, listen, so, you know, when I go to the grocery store, I'm not scared of getting stabbed in the back by a Jew because they already stabbed me in the back.
0: Okay, that's, you know, it. that's it. That's enough. Next speaker. Uh, do we have anybody else?
5: No one who is pre-registered.
0: Okay, thank you. That concludes public comment. Next up is action item 8A, which is action on resolution number 514, suspension of the 2024 comprehensive plan amendment docket. This is an action item that has not been on our council agenda before. So we're gonna have a public hearing specific to this item. We're gonna need the staff presentation first, and then there will be an opportunity for public comment on this item only. Mr. Saffron, whenever you're ready. Thank you, Mayor and Council. We'll do that.
13: Uh, yes, yeah, we'll, we'll get
0: it after this, sorry.
13: <laughs> so as you know, the, straight, the State Growth Management Act limits review of the proposed comprehensive plan amendments to no more than once a year. Uh, the GMA mandates that the CD create a docket which was a list of potential amendments that are considered in this once a year process. Uh, The docket is simply a list of potential amendments submitted by staff and members of the public um, to be studied that year. Um, Staff is requesting that council suspend any privately initiated amendments for the 2024 docket through uh, this resolution, 514, and instead have staff direct any requests or amendments um, to the comprehensive plan, goals, policies, or any proposed map changes through the uh, major update of the comprehensive plan. Um, Staff is continuing to reach out to the community through this um, major update uh, process and have uh, many avenues for the public to make these um, comprehensive plan changes, including some past events um, that staff has um, created the Shoreline 2044 website that has um, where the members of public can submit comments to us. We've had a first online open house and survey to um, reach out about the city's vision. Um, We've reached out to community consultants and presented at the city learn event and then um, upcoming events is holding EIS scoping and a in-person open house here at city hall. um, Second, online open house and survey, uh, we will have targeted outreach going forward on specific topics and, and to continually outreach, um, with the public going forward, um, to, to update the comprehensive plan, just to, uh, remind council that we are maybe about halfway through the process in fall 2023 when we start to, uh, look at the vision statement, prepare the EIS scoping, and um, about to launch the second phase of engagement. So, considering the ongoing work for the 2024 um, update, staff is recommending that Council take action to su- suspend the 2024 docket for privately um, initiated requests. Anyone from the community with ideas or suggestion for amendments? Uh, would be instead directed to engage as part of the update of the plan, uh, which is on schedule for adoption by the end of 2024, which would be the same time that any privately initiated requests would also be considered. Um, This approach of suspending privately initiated requests is more efficient and eliminates the possibility of having the docket process run parallel
0: to the plan update. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Safran. Because this is on our agenda for the first time, I'm now going to open it up for public comment. This is an opportunity for members of the public to address us on this agenda item only. Is there anyone signed up for public comments? No one has signed up
5: who's in person in the chamber.
0: And no one has signed up remotely for this agenda item specifically, correct? Correct. All right, okay. Would anyone like to address us on this agenda item who is in the chamber? Okay, seeing none, I'm going to go ahead and close the public hearing now is an opportunity uh, for, we generally start with a motion. Is there a motion related to this agenda item?
2: Pope. I move for the approval um, to suspend the 2024 DACA for privately initiated amendments as proposed.
7: Uh,
0: I second it for uh, the purpose of discussion.
2: All right. Council member, would you like to speak to your motion? Uh, thank you, Mayor. Um, I read the report. Even though I might have questions, but I'm looking at the efficiency and the effectiveness of staff uh, making such a recommendation. And uh, upon reading the uh, extensive report, I was moved to agree to some extent. So I think it's a great uh, idea. Thank you. Other questions
0: or comments? Yeah, go. Is, is time- Can you do?
8: Is now the time that we could ask Mr. Saffron Yeah, definitely, yeah. Uh, Mr. Saffron, uh, we have heard complaints before that people feel that uh, they have different ideas than staff and feel that their only mechanism is to use the privately initiated, initiated amendment. Uh, how would that work under these conditions? So if someone had a different view, uh, what kind of assurance could they have that uh, it would be considered?
13: So we we take all every and all um, comments that come in from the public and we um, log those in a spreadsheet. So we have all the information the same way as someone who would submit uh, an application to us. So it's tracked in the same way the planning commission will be able to see every comment that comes in and so will the council. Um, so the, the process and, and staff's recommendation will, um, be the same if it were coming from an application or coming from, um, just a, the general comment and logged in the major update. Um, so essentially it's going to work the same way. Um, everyone's comments will be captured. And, and reviewed by staff, reviewed by planning commission, and eventually
0: reviewed by council. Other questions or comments?
8: Yeah, so just, yeah, to, cool. yeah just, just continue briefly. Uh, so I completely agree on the efficiency uh, comment that Councilmember member Pobey made. Um, what you're saying is, is that uh, while it's not called the same thing, the results are the same that their comment will be written down and be able to be seen and by the public, by the council, by planning commission, by, mm-hmm. thank you,
13: sir. So Analyzed in the exact same way as, as any other application. Yes.
8: Thank you.
14: Council member. Thank you, mayor. Um, thank you, council member Mark, for those questions. And I think that raise, I think there's, I think that the staff is right, there's efficiencies that are gained by this in that when we're reviewing the, we're be reviewing the entirety of the comprehensive plan and something that someone proposes today or before December 1st, it may be proposing something that is, may even not even be part of the next comprehensive plan that, Is that as the planning commission is working through the the whole plan, there may be a section that is no longer there in the next comprehensive plan. And so, in that sense, it's kind of would be strange to sort of review or have the planning commission sort of review something and then not and then sort of have it be moved even before it even get started at the same time though my understanding of the current plan process is that the planning commission will take a, a, a specific vote on proposals that are privately docketed so in or in recommend and make that recommendation to the council with this process yes what you're I'm hearing is that the planning commission will see those comments and then and the council will see those comments that come in, but there's no, nec- there's no obligation of the planning commission to review or discuss that comment as they would have to do if it was a separately docketed plan amendment. I, I think
15: see. Yeah,
14: I, I see what you're, I'm
15: sorry. I, I think that's accurate. I think the other thing that we're looking at is there's the process of the comp plan amendments. So so um, updates, excuse me. So as we're updating the comprehensive plan, we're taking public input on that as well. And so while we're trying to update the comprehensive plan, I think what um, Steve is saying is that it'd be difficult if we're talking about removing some areas, rewriting some areas to then be trying to process an amendment while we have a moving target. And so that will be taken into consideration, both as a you know, some comments, but also under the comp plan that's part of the process as well. So it's trying to not have inconsistencies and redundancies is what I think that I'm hearing from staff.
13: Yeah. And I think to your point too, the, if we have suggestions come in from the public that we think are, are good ideas, but they don't necessarily fit in the current plan, we can shape that to fit in the update, maybe with some revised language, but we would bring that forward as, as a recommendation. So. Could go both ways. Someone could propose something that may not be there, but we could take that comment and and work it into kind of what the new
14: format or whatever the new section is. I mean, I do hope that people do participate in the comprehensive plan process and not try to submit. I mean, I think that's the whole goal. Is yeah. we don't want people submitting comprehensive plan amendments this year. I'm a little bit. I'm, Oh, I'm a squeamish about this process. Um, but I do think that if we, when we review our code and review our process for this, if we want to be explicit, I think we need to amend the code rather than suspend how we operate under the code. Um, to explicitly say that in years that we are doing the comprehensive plan, we're, we would not take privately initiated amendments mm-hmm. rather than the suspension route. Thank you,
0: Mayor.
2: Councilman public Yeah. Uh, thank you. Councilman Roberts made a part of my comment, which is I, I totally support this and reading through it just makes sense strategically and efficiently. I was just going to recommend that the public be well informed and educated. It's not that we are shutting them off uh, and all that. So if you can just um, make that education possible. Thank you. That's, that's our goal. Yeah. Councilman. Um Excuse me if
7: I'm not understanding the whole process perfectly, but I, um, uh, so I, you know, I was kind of reading some of the input from uh, our, our residents, and one of them was that, that um, it, kind of referring to Council Member Roberts' uh, comment about um, wanting to change the, the code to comply with, like, not accepting um, um, amendments after, uh, uh, d- at, from December 1st. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, is, is this, would this, to, to suspend it, would that be contrary to what the current code states
13: or yeah, the current code for uh, comprehensive plan amendments <clears throat> that you have to submit, um, the yearly cycle to amend the comp plan, they have to su- submit by December 1st. So December 1st of this year would normally be the deadline for those amendments, um, okay. considered next year, but. So we're just we're moved, doing we're the comp plan up. update yeah. now, so instead of having privately initiated okay. amendments come in, we'd rather have those comments come in and logged uh, under the up major update, so we can evaluate all the comments so, at one time. So you're essentially moving up the
7: moving up the um, deadline to be able to, um, uh, as you're because I think we're, I think uh, that talking about a moving target, you know, not you know, yeah, with, really with amendments this, come in yeah. You're, it makes that process more difficult and I understand the efficiency part mm-hmm. one thing I am kind of concerned about is just the optics of it mm-hmm. um you know we just had the we had um, the community pretty upset about um, the lack of um, communication around the 15th ave trees being mm-hmm. um, cut down and that kind of created a big big issue and big fury and, mm-hmm. and I'm just uh some the the impression I'm getting from some of the residents is that they feel like they're not they haven't been given an adequate notice about um this suspension um so that's just a little concerned about how this is going to come across to our residents that we're not um that they're that they feel a little bit maybe blindsided you know that we're kind of changing the the we're making amending uh, the current code that would um um create a barrier uh, or the appearance of a barrier to um, um to providing input um for the comprehensive plan so just my concerns you know.
13: right. okay thank you. Yeah, I, I see it really as less of a barrier because there is no deadline now you can and as simple as writing an email or filling out the online form about comments on the comprehensive plan so it's really um, as long as we can get the word out to please participate in the update of the plan. In all, the comment, all it would take is an email instead of an actual Formal application to be
6: submitted to us. So. And if this is approved by council, we will make sure to advertise and to make sure that this is communicated clearly how the process works this particular time.
0: All right, so, All right thank you. Yeah, so I, I, have, I have a couple questions. I, I'm concerned about the level of scrutiny, the difference, because when we collect public comment for the comprehensive plan, we tend to get a lot, which is great, mm-hmm. and that tends to get boiled down into summaries the citizen initiated comprehensive plan amendments tend to be very detailed and specific Mm -hmm. and they go through a set process of review and ultimately we decide, even if staff is recommending no, we decide whether we wanna put it on the docket or not. Mm -hmm. My sense is with the comprehensive plan comments, we won't get to that level of specificity up here. It'll just get sort of diffused, Mm -hmm. right? And, And I'm especially concerned with the sort of site specific ones where where, we get them occasionally where it's please please change the comp plan designation on these three parcels Mm -hmm. because of these reasons. That's probably not gonna make it into the comp plan. Maybe, maybe not. So, I mean, I don't want a response to that, but what I want a response to is how much more work is it to keep the (coughs) open, go through all those hoops, understanding that the recommendation on many of them will be if you're interested in more bike mobility, let's do that through the comp plan process. Staff mm-hmm. recommends council not put this on the docket, right? So, so how, how yeah. much effort are we saving by streamlining?
13: And if you remember last year when we brought the docket to you, there was one um, city initiated amendment and then there was six privately yeah. initiated. We recommended that it be incorporated into the comp plan update. So we actually did have applications come in with very specific language that were logged within our, um, our comment log with, you know, links to the application. So, I mean, I think we would, staff would probably recommend doing that again, if if you did, you know, deny this, just so we wouldn't have two concurrent processes going at the same time. But the extra work is taking the docket to the planning commission and then back to you to see if you wanted to include those or not. Um, So it's, yeah, it's another couple of meetings and staff reports and, and things like that. Yeah,
0: I, 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 I appreciate, the, feel free to comment after I'm done, but I, I appreciate efficiency, but that doesn't seem a huge burden. And, and my sense is we should clearly communicate mm-hmm. if what you want is a broader focus on something, it's a better tool to come to the comp plan but if what you want is something specific, go ahead and do it mm-hmm. through the update process and we'll go through the steps. And we may recommend that we're not do it that way. Right. I'm just, I'm not mm-hmm. seeing the huge downside to allowing the parallel tracks. Mm-hmm. Right. Councilmember Roberts.
14: Uh, thank you, Mayor. Would, Sorry. would we still have to adopt a docket from 2024? We would have the item would be the, the item major would be the comp- update of the so, comp plan. Yeah. So, I mean, that's coming back before council anyway. Or there will be a docket item or a, a agenda item for the docket for 2024.
13: Yeah. And I would assume a major update would yeah. require a docket or it's one of those out of psych or emer- I, don't I don't know if it's emergency, but it's reco- the state council law. Will required. Still be,
15: the, the council will still be making decisions on going forward with the comp plan. Um, another option could possibly be to make it so that site specific comp plans, amendments move forward, but not the more general ones, because the recommendation would be to push those general ones, but then it would still allow site specific requests to move forward if there are any.
2: Council Povey. Uh, thank you. I, w- I just want to, as I said, it, it makes very good sense to me uh, not to run both I mean, thinking of discrepancies, if both documents talk to each other at some point, we want to handle it individually just to avoid conflict of uh, content. Does it run together? I mean, if it should run together, do we anticipate having that problem? If there that there is, will be some duplicate, uh, because I'm leaning towards uh, eliminating duplicated efforts. And so,
13: yeah, if we had privately initiated amendments come in application, then yes, there would be okay. two concurrent processes because we couldn't adopt the privately initiated ones until we adopted the whole plan right. at the okay. end of
0: the year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Thank you. Further comments or questions? All right. Will the clerk please call the vote.
5: Councilmember Roberts. No. Councilmember Poby. Aye. Councilmember McConnell? Aye. Councilmember Mork? No. Councilmember Ramsdale? No. Mayor Scully.:
0: No. All right, the amendment or sorry, the, the motion fails four to two. Next up is the consent calendar, Uh, I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah,
8: Yeah. my my apologies. Um, What Ms. King suggested on splitting it where you have the site specific, when is the time to talk about that or is that time passed?
0: Um, That should have been, if we're following Robert's rules, which it's a guideline, so we don't have to, would have been to amend the motion to have a separate thing. If you want to make a a separate motion afterwards, unless there's a major objection from the council, I don't see a problem Mm -hmm. with that. Uh, so, uh, what exactly would I say, Ms. King? Yeah.
15: <laughs> I apologize, I don't have it up in front of me, but I think you could make a motion to amend the um, resolution to exclude the language that addresses site-specific um, amendments, and that would be sufficient.
8: So, so I would say that? Sure. Thank you. <laughs> and, and I would also sit also, uh, enter into it and a requirement for education for the public so that it's well known as Mr. Ellington had said. So that's my motion. Thank you.
0: All right. Ms. Similchek-Smith is that sufficient?
5: So the, the motion to adopt the resolution was just voted down.
0: Yeah. So this, this is a new motion. It's on the same action item, but it's a separate motion
5: to adopt the resolution as amended
0: to adopt a resolution based upon the former one with different language, yeah. Okay. Yeah, but, but my question more was, was what that discussion clear enough for you to get something on paper? Yes. Okay, all right, is there a second? Second. Okay. Uh, would you like to speak to your motion?
8: Uh, Mayor, I agree with you that the, the very site-specific ones may get lost in the shuffle. AND THIS WOULD GIVE PEOPLE AN OPPORTUNITY TO PUT IN SOMETHING VERY SITE SPECIFIC WITHOUT TAKING AS MUCH STAFF TIME HOPEFULLY AND WITH THE BIGGER IDEAS BEING DISCUSSED AS PART OF THE BIGGER IDEA CONCEPT. THIS IS ALL BEING BASED ON THE EDUCATION THAT THE CITY WILL DO SO THAT PEOPLE KNOW WHERE TO, THAT THERE IS STILL AN OPPORTUNITY FOR SITE SPECIFIC AND THIS IS WHERE YOU GO WITH THE GENERAL THING.
0: Any other questions or comments? No. Will the clerk please call the votes? Mayor Scully. No.
5: Council member Ramsdale. No. Council member Mork. Aye. Council member McConnell. Aye. Council member Poby. Aye. Council member Roberts.
0: No. And that's unfortunately a tie, but our rules provide that in the event of a tie, the motion does not move forward. So the motion fails three to three. Um, next up is the consent calendar, which I overlooked. Is there a motion related to the consent calendar?
2: A move for the approval of the consent calendar. Second. All right. Will the clerk please call the vote?
5: Mayor Scully? Uh, aye. Councilmember Ramsdale? Aye. Councilmember Mark. Aye. Councilmember McConnell? Aye. Councilmember Povey? Aye. Councilmember Roberts.
0: Aye. All right, the consent calendar passes unanimously, which brings us to study item 9A, which is a discussion of the 2024 comprehensive plan update. Uh, I believe Mr. Bauer and Ms. Kime will be presenting in person, and I have been assured their presentation is 12 minutes long. Oh, pour, a portion is 12 minutes long. All right. Not 11, not 13, 12. 12, yeah.
16: All right, well, I'll kick us off here. So we're excited to be in front of the council this evening to share with you all the work we've been doing and everything that's been going on the last several months since the comprehensive plan update was last before the council was all the way back at the end of February, actually, when the um, I think it was the public participation plan piece of it was passed by resolution. So um, you could flip to the next slide, please. Um, so tonight we've got, um, frozen screen apparently, but
17: I do at present.
16: Well, you work that out.
17: Yeah.
16: Um, so I'll keep rolling here, but we've got our, um, members from our core team on the update, um, to provide the summary on the public engagement that we undertook, um, over the last spring and summer. And then we'll share with you the options for the updated comp plan vision statement and then present the findings from the racial equity analysis and then lay out the next phase of engagement that we'll be undertaking here in the coming weeks. So real quickly, and Steve just spoke to this a couple of minutes ago, but the phase one of the engagement um, is detailed. We have the entire summary uh, in your packet for this evening but really it was about educating the community what the comprehensive plan is. That's sort of a big and difficult topic to explain we're finding um, to people to really fully grasp and understand what that is. And then also to let folks know that we're updating it and how to get involved. And so all that feedback we collected during that first phase was really about checking in with the community on the vision and looking for opportunities and ways to incorporate that feedback to refine it. And so uh, this phase primarily consisted of an online open house that was up for about five weeks. Uh, We were also at several different tabling or tabling at several different community events all through the spring and summer. Um, And I think we even had at least one or maybe two in September. So um, just kind of wrapping that up Um, And then we also conducted interviews with community-based organizations um, and held a virtual public meeting with a a focus on the middle housing component of the work that we're doing. Um, And so much of this input uh, has been used to be uh, developing the different alternatives for the vision statement, which Steve will talk more about now.
13: All right, thank you. So to update the vision statement, staff started with the current vision that was drafted in 2012. Uh, when, when asked about the vision established as part of that plan, 85% of the online Open House participants agreed that the vision is still relevant. Um, though out of those people, there was a majority of respondents who felt that more needed to be added to the vision. So several themes reflecting uh, the, the respondents' uh, values, priorities, and concerns consistently appeared in the survey questions, write-in responses, and in the idea walls submissions. Uh, those um, generally fell in the categories of housing, safety, nature, and the structure or feel of the community. Um, so, although several open house survey respondents indicated that they did not have any challenges with housing. The cost of housing and affordability were clearly primary concerns. This came across in multiple responses about the ability to purchase or rent, uh, especially with those are middle or lower incomes, as well as the financial capacity to remain in home ownership. Respondents expressed concern about the ability to age in place and the risk of displacement if they couldn't remain in their current homes um, some other recurring themes about housing had to do with housing diversity and more availability of smaller scale housing options, though many respondents expressed a preference for living in smaller homes, um, single family homes, proximity to amenities and services, including housing located near parks, transit, shopping and safe and walkable access. Um, so safety, um, mentions of safety appeared across multiple questions. The term was used to characterize personal safety and community safety. Respondents emphasized the importance of an individual's sense of safety as it relates to perceptions of crime and blight in the city as well as safety as it relates to mobility and accessibility for people walking or bicycling. Um, moving on to um, nature. Respondents indicated that they place a high value on green space, nature, tree canopy, and sustainability. This came across as concerns for maintaining and protecting the city's existing green spaces and tree canopy, uh, valuing and being able to access or live near parks and natural areas and supporting the development of housing with sustainability features and renewable energies. Um, Moving on. So the structure or feel of the community. um, So there was a majority of online open house responses who felt um, that needed, um, and couldn't really get what feel really was other than a lot of uh, comments about schools, community programs, and cultural activities which then leads to the next slide, which um, the, from the information collected from the public um, staff and our consultants drafted three uh, vision alternatives for consideration. Uh, Ultimately the object is to develop alternatives to share with the public as part of phase two engagement and use the feedback to further refine this vision uh, going forward. So uh, in your staff report, vision alternative one is just a slightly modified version of the existing vision statement created in 2012. Uh, vision alternatives two and three really reflect comments made in the last round of, of public engagement and include updated themes of inclusion, climate, uh, connect- connectivity, while also cutting way back on the amount of language and making the vision a true statement. So. Um, I'm not gonna read through these, but looking at uh, vision alternative two, um, this one really leans more towards um, shoreline as a place and the environment. Um, As we read alternative two, um, we can think of the city and the amenities, transportation options and the environment really as prominent themes in this um, alternative. And then moving on to alternative Number three, this reads um, more as a vision featuring shorelines residents, be it current and future residents. It begins with shoreline being a welcome welcoming and inclusive place for all and made for people to foster connections to the community. Um, Staff presented these three alternatives to the planning commission at their October 5th meeting. Um, The commission was generally in agreement for an abbreviated vision statement and recommending that uh, we look at alternatives two and three, basically take the best parts of each and create maybe a fourth alternative and, and reformat it to its, so it's easier to read maybe in a bulleted uh, format with topics and then language under that. Um, so that's where uh, we are with the vision.
17: Thanks, Steve. All right. Uh, I'm here to present a summary of our racial equity analysis. This was done as part of the comprehensive plan update. Recent changes in the growth management act are directing cities to look at racial equity in housing very intentionally with grant funding and guidance from the department of commerce. Shoreline has prepared a draft racial equity analysis, looking at housing trends, demographics, and past and present housing policies to see if there are any racially disparate impacts in housing in shoreline. Tonight's staff are summarizing the data analysis and the findings of the racial equity analysis. We're gonna just touch on policy themes, but we'll be coming back at a future date with like specific policy language. Um, but right now it'll just be a summary of the data analysis. Wanted to start out with a definition of some terms. So we're all talking about the same stuff, racially disparate impacts. This occurs when policies practices, rules or other systems result in a disproportionate effect on one or more racial groups. Intent is not required for a racially disparate impact to occur. Many policies that appear to be race neutral interact with existing inequalities and continue to perpetuate inequitable outcomes in housing opportunity and choice. Exclusion. The act or effect of shutting or keeping certain populations out of housing within a specific area. This may be intentional or unintentional, but it leads to non-inclusive impacts. And finally displacement, the process by which a household is forced to move from its community because of conditions beyond their control. So this report was prepared using the Washington State Department of Commerce racially disparate impacts guidance. Jurisdictions are not required to find a racially disparate impact, but to conduct a well-reasoned analysis. And a well-reasoned analysis means looking at multiple measures of cultural, economic, and physical well-being related to where a person resides. The report is almost 350 pages. I'm not going to be summarizing all of it, just some highlights for you. So let's get into it. When compared to King County as a whole, Shoreline is about five years older and 6% whiter than King County. Looking back over the past 10 years, both the county and Shoreline are diversifying as they grow. And in fact, in Shoreline, 29% of our population has a limited English proficiency with most non-English languages being Asian or Pacific Islander languages. Shoreline's housing stock, it's primarily detached homes with some multifamily and some townhomes. And in fact, most of Shoreline's housing stock was built before Shoreline was even incorporated between 1950 and 1980. But since our incorporation in 1995, most of the new residential development number of units, this is in the form of apartment units. And these findings aren't all that surprising, as you see on this map here. Um, Approximately 80% of the city's zoned land is zoned for low density residential. That's the areas in light yellow that you see. And these areas are largely built out under current development standards. We also took a look at property values um, uh, uh, mapped out just for residential based on county assessed values. What we see is a concentration of high value residential properties in neighborhoods in the Western third of the city, especially those properties near Puget Sound And we see a greater mix of property values in the central and eastern parts of the city. Though a majority of housing units in Shoreline are owner occupied at 64%, the rates of home ownership are not evenly distributed between racial groups in Shoreline. When looking at rates of home ownership by racial and ethnic groups, white and Asian households have significantly higher rates of home ownership than other racial or ethnic groups. Cost burden. That's when a household spends more than 30% of their household income on housing. Uh, when comparing rates to cost burden among racial and ethnic groups, we see that white households tend to experience less cost burden than other racial or ethnic groups. Hispanic or Latino households tend to experience more cost burden and black households experience severe cost burden that's spending more than 50% of the household income at higher rates than other racial or ethnic groups. The report took a look back at Shoreline's history as well as current housing policies and Shoreline does have a history of intentional racial exclusion. When the area known as Shoreline today was still unincorporated King County, a number of subdivisions included restrictive covenants that prohibited the sale or occupation of properties within the subdivision to anyone not of the white or Caucasian race. This work done by the Seattle Civil Rights and Labor History Project to map the history of exclusion in Washington state has so far in Shoreline found 26 plats impacting some 2,300 properties uh, that have uh, race-based uh, exclusion language included either on the face of the plat, in uh, homeowners association bylaws, or uh, in deed restrictions. A series of maps were created to look at the distribution of different racial and ethnic groups in Shoreline today. This is using census block-level data. Oh, the maps reveal that the distribution of racial groups in the city is not uniform. There's a lot going on on these maps. What I would say is focus on the areas in dark red and the areas in light blue. Areas in dark red indicate a high concentration of the group being studied. Areas in light blue have a low concentration of the racial or ethnic group being studied. What we see here is that, uh, at the Western portions of the city, there is a high. Concentration of white, uh, white home ownership and a low concentration of non white households. And as we move to the center and eastern portions of the city, we start to see a greater mix. Here we see a comparison of residential property values and the distribution of BIPOC households in Shoreline. When studying where different racial and ethnic groups live in Shoreline, we found a main driver of differences are things like property values and income illustrating a correlation between income, race, and property values with where people live. Parts of the city with higher property values are less racially diverse than parts of the city with a greater mix of property values. And here we see a comparison of the current zoning map and the distribution of BIPOC households in shoreline. What we're seeing in this series of maps is parts of the city where zoning is more permissive, allows more of a mix of commercial, high density residential or mixed uses, We tend to see uh, populations are more racially and ethnically diverse parts parts of the city with larger swaths of restricted low density zoning are more racially homogenous specifically wider than the central and eastern parts of the city. In evaluating areas that may be at higher risk of displacement the city prepared a multi-factor displacement risk analysis for different neighborhoods in shoreline. Neighborhood risk factors, they were grouped into basically these four categories of multiple factors around socio-demographic, proximity to amenities, which I sort of think of as like a proxy for attractive to redevelopment, uh, physical displacement and future vulnerability. These were each individually mapped and then a composite map created, which we see here. This composite map found that Echo Lake, Hillwood and Meridian Park neighborhoods had the highest displacement risks. You'll see from the map that the areas of more Uh, extreme displacement risk, they are really concentrated around Aurora, not necessarily evenly distributed amongst neighborhoods. The composite map also showed that areas with lower incomes are at higher risk of displacement and areas that are attractive to redevelopment based on zoning or proximity to amenities also at higher risk of displacement. Uh, So in summary, the findings found that there are some racially disparate impacts in housing and shoreline. Generally, BIPOC households have lower housing outcomes, including lower rates of home ownership and greater rates of cost burden. The distribution of racial groups in the city is not uniform. We see stark differences from the western parts of the city to the central and eastern parts of the city. Areas with more diverse zoning are more racially and ethnically diverse than parts of the city with more restrictive zoning. And finally, that the displacement risk in shoreline based on the factors studied is really concentrated along the Aurora corridor. So with these findings, what is the city going to do to ensure equitable outcomes in housing? The report details a number of policy approaches, but they can basically be grouped into these four categories that we're going to talk about. Uh, To increase the supply of affordable housing, this is both renter and owner affordable housing. To preserve existing affordable housing. To stabilize homes at risk of displacement for any number of factors. And to ensure that the benefits of development are distributed equitably through the city. And that is the hopefully 12 minute summary of a 350 page report.
0: Excellently done, thank you. <clears throat>
16: um, so I'll just close it out here, um, hitting on the recap of what we've mapped out in terms of the next phase of engagement. So, really, starting now. Um, we we'll, are hoping to apply lessons learned through that initial phase of the engagement we were doing through the spring and, and, uh, summer. So our key audiences are, uh, that we're really hoping to focus in and, um, hear effectively from are the youth BIPOC communities and then renters. Uh, And so as we're looking ahead, so really we're hoping to focus this next phase um, through the, basically through the holiday season um, and and now through the holiday season. So we'll be launching an online open house once again Um, in the coming weeks. We'll be holding an in-person open house here um, on November 15th. And then on November 16th, we'll be hosting a, a workshop with the chamber of commerce to talk about economic development, meeting our jobs target and kind of how we'll do that. Um, We'll also be focusing in and hoping to reach uh, community-based organizations and conducting interviews with them. And then also uh, we have a couple of different activity ideas in the works, again, focusing in on those key audience groups. So next steps looking ahead, uh, we'll be issuing our formal determination of significance, which is the first step under the state environmental policy review um, to initiate the environmental impact statement process. So we'll be issuing that next week. Uh, I mentioned the online open house and the workshop um, and the in-person open house. And then um, we'll take all that in all the inputs from the engagement, and then really hope to uh, get into the policy and the goal development first quarter of next year. And then also settle into more of a regular rhythm with coming back to council with uh, regular check-ins, maybe about every other month is sort of what we're tentatively thinking. So it would be interested to get your thoughts and input around that kind of how often you'd want us to come back for input and just kind of check-ins with regards to draft policies as we're developing those um, and, and anything else that we you know we'll be studying and, and just getting your thoughts on a regular basis um, as we look to have a draft plan, really like next spring or first part of the summer, we should have a drafted comprehensive plan that we're ready to kind of full in or share in its full entirety. Um, So that concludes our presentation and looking to get your thoughts on the vision statement alternatives, um, any questions on the racial equity analysis, and then as we look ahead to engagement,
0: thank you. Thank you all very much. Questions or comments from council? Councilman Roberts.
14: (coughs) Thank you, mayor. And I'd like to thank the staff and everyone putting this together. I mean, it's a lot of work and it's very valuable work to understand our community. Often we, it's important that we hear anecdotes of our city and uh, it was good seeing on Facebook. I think there was a post today that talked about why do you love, someone asked, why do you love Shoreline and sort of looking and scrolling through all the reasons why mm-hmm. community members like this Shoreline. Uh, but we need, the da- we need the sort of the data too. I mean, we know that uh, we need to understand how, our, how are the policies that impact everyone and not just through anecdotes and so having the racial data is equity data is so important to our work. So thank you for putting that together. Uh, I also appreciate the work on the uh, vision statements. Uh, I will say that I liked our vision statement. I mean, I think it was very clear and it had, was, was, was quite good. And I was very proud of what was put together in 2012 to, to get to that. Um, but one of the things, the comments I've, one of the things I've always thought is it is long and you can't really summarize it well, or you can't do it justice if you're talking about what's, what's Shoreline's vision to someone who asks what's your vision is at, to a few other, co- other colleagues across the, the community, across the country. And we sort of all, t- I think we all take sort of bits and pieces of it and say, this is what the vision is, but I don't think it's really possible to sort of summarize that vision statement into, one word or one, um, or just a couple sentences. I think that what has been done especially, I really like alternative three. And and I like centering people in terms of the vision is really important because that's what we do. Our job is to help people. And we have an organization, we do all this great work. We do placemaking for people. We protect the environment for people. and other preachers, but <laughs> but when we sort of think about it, I mean, th- we need to center, sort of center by centering people. I think that really sort of says where our priorities are and what why we do this work, and that's to help people. And so I really like so I really like alternative three. I think there's some massaging that probably could be done. I think there's some elements, some people element, people oriented elements in all, uh, the second alternative that probably could be put into alternative three. And I think there's a part. Couple of places in Alternative 3 that could be really put people again, put people mm-hmm. more centered. Um, but by and large, I'm a big fan of Alternative 3. and I really li- But I really like how you and this presentation put sort of, I was sort of reading them over the last few days and was like, okay. But sort of having that parentheses of how the focus really sort of crystallized sort of why I like that Alternative 3. Mm-hmm. So thank you, Mayor.
2: Thank you. Council Member Thank you, Mayor. I uh, couldn't agree more with what Council Member Roberts said about uh, vision number three. And To be honest, I was really relaxed mentally about looking up by you and the hard work. This is 30 slides, but the uh, report is about 120 plus pages. I was excited because I'm looking at the reasons why people love shoreline. Mm-hmm and all that were captured in there. And then we come to the vision and it's all being spelled out in there. So that's uh, really great. Now about housing on that aspect, and also for the presentation, the way it's broken out and each one dealing with a specific aspect makes it easy to to grasp. On the housing though, um, I was just wondering what is, We've been talking about housing for a long time and affordability of housing, uh, especially. So, I'm just going to encourage you to do all you can to make good proposals or recommendations that will, better le- that will better the lives of the people. And I agree with people because, you know, everything and almost anything we do has to be centered around uh, people. The youth, the BIPOC community, and renters great approach. Uh, dealing with the uh, CBOs, the community-based organizations for the outreach, as uh, you came to a report last year, was fantastic. And now I see specifics. You want to tackle the youth, the BIPOC committee, and the renters. I'm not sure what we are looking to get from the from these um, three groups that you've outlined, but I presume that we are going to get something substantive that's going to influence our um, strategies and ideas. So. Nothing more to say to that. Good work. Thank you, Mayor. Thank you. Councilmember Moore.
8: Thank you, Mayor. Uh, I too would like to compliment staff for their dedication and hard work on developing this presentation and this document. Um, one thing that I've heard complaints on, however, in the past, and I was wondering uh, how that fit in, is the dis- disabled community. or. Thinking of it differently, the 8 to 80 group, where people with strollers and people with uh, walkers, you know, ha- feeling in the city. Um, I was just curious have you met with a group that uh, is part of your outreach that represents uh, people from the disabled community, or are you planning on trying to do an outreach for them, or what? what... Please, please elaborate.
17: Uh, Yeah, one of our um, really responsive community-based organizations has been Banchero Disability Partners uh, who work on um, housing for folks with um, uh, I think primarily intellectual and developmental disabilities, but sometimes that presents with um, mobility uh, mobility mobility-centered disabilities as well. So they've been really phenomenal to work with. (laughs) Um, So that's been sort of our... Uh, OUR GREATEST AREA OF SUCCESS, BUT ABSOLUTELY WE CAN BE DOING MORE, Um, AND SO IF THERE ARE ANY RECOMMENDATIONS, OTHER GROUPS THAT WE SHOULD BE REACHING OUT TO, WE WANT TO HEAR IT um, TO to MAKE IT HAPPEN.
8: THANK YOU. IT it MAY BE WORTH, I DON'T PERSONALLY KNOW, BUT it, IT MAY BE WORTH TRYING TO DO SOME OUTREACH SPECIFICALLY, TRYING TO GET TO PEOPLE FROM THOSE GROUPS. Um, You know, we're in a climate, the existential climate crisis, and I really appreciate the focus on thinking about things that we can do so our children actually have an earth to live on. And uh, I know we're part of the whole world, so it's not like shoreline can solve it, but recognizing that and uh, taking steps to include that in our plan, I I really appreciate it. Thank you, Mayor.
7: Thank you. Uh, uh, Councilmember Thank you, Mayor. just to, I wasn't going to say anything, but then uh, Councilmember Moore just kind of sparked a thought, and um, so I worked for uh, 20 years with the Aging and Disability uh, Services, uh, the Aging and Disability commu- uh, Community. And there's so I'm thinking about the AAA, uh, which is the um, Area Agency on Aging, which would be um, uh, Aging and Disability Services. Um, they're based in Seattle; they're a Seattle agency, but they cover all of King County. Um, Sound Generations is another one; it's a great one for the older older adults. Um, so ARC King County is uh, a, that they, you know, so you know about ARC. So uh, I think those, those uh, organizations would be a great, uh,
0: uh, great organizations to touch base with. So
7: thank you. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Councilman McConnell, anything to add? Uh,
4: yeah, thank you. Um, I I do have a preference for either two or three. I found that number one was uh, probably uh a little too long and uh i can go either way on 2 or 3 i think you you want uh the staff wants some recommendations or comments about our preference for for the vision statement and a combination of 2 and 3 would be ec- uh, great also so uh, so uh oh and i love i love charts so um kind of nice to see everything really in um uh, areas like that's uh, probably not something that we, that none of us would question, but it, it's just very important to see it uh, in those charts like that that took a lot of work. Thank you very much.
0: Thank you. J- just a couple comments. For, for starters, thank you. This is a great presentation and a, and a great product so far. Um, I had a couple questions, but mostly I was just really impressed with the focus on racial equity, and that's obviously a starting point. But I, I do think we should be reaching out to, to the differently abled community and to aging and everything else. But I appreciate that we stayed focused on that one issue here, because when it becomes 27 factors and race is one and religion is another and economic, it, we lose focus on like where the problem came from and what we might do about it. So, so I'm glad this wasn't, didn't include other things. And I would look forward to a similar conversation about those other things, right? Looking at, looking at mobility issues and all the other issues. But the racial equity one, not surprising. I was very grateful for the little historical slide because the pushback we get, or at least I get informally, is sometimes why is this government's problem? Why are you focusing so much on on race? And the answer is because we created it, right? I mean, not not us, but previous governments literally created it with laws. And so now trying to undo it, for me, says it not only has to be equal, we've got to go a little further to, to, to open the door for folks who had it shut in their face for a long time. Obviously, you know we have a constitution that's very important, and we've got to be careful we don't, you know, advance one group. It's it's challenging, but I appreciate that we're recognizing the numbers are wrong, and that we're going to do something about it. The do something about it is the hard part. So I mean, this the comp plan doesn't provide solutions; it provides guiding areas, and I think we've got it. It's rubber hits the road from that here on. Um, Unsurprisingly, we focused on the thing we could get at, which is the wording. You know, <laughs> coming over the program to, to equalize racial inequality—that's hard. <laughs> but, so I'm gonna weigh in on that one too. Um, so I, I too really liked alternative three. Um, it's so long; it's hard to read. You know, and there's a legal writing scholar who claims that anything can be expressed in 75 words or less. You can take the most complicated case, and if you boil the introduction down to 75 words, that's a winning statement and he's, he's, a, he's a true believer in this, he just goes on and on and on. When I've seen that done, and the place I've seen it done best is the theory of change from the KCRHA, that is a powerful sentence. It really says a lot. And I read it and I don't understand every piece of it and I want definitions, but I'm also like, yeah, we do need to start focusing on these things. I'm not saying you have to come back with 75 words or change it at all. I mean, ultimately I think we're okay with no matter what, but trying to encapsulate it a little bit might make it more powerful and not worrying so much about getting every little detail. So, yeah. No shortage of advice for you on, on the wordsmithing. <laughs> <laughs> Any other comments from council? You, uh, uh, you ask how often you want us, we want you to report back. Was that answered sufficiently?
16: Um, I don't think so, yeah. Like, okay. like I said, um,
0: we were kind of thinking about every other month or so. Okay comments from council on that question every other month, council member. Yeah. I think every other
14: month generally sounds good. I think that I do hope that our at our retreat next year, that this is a central focus of our council retreat, because I think we're going to have need to have some of that discussion in sort of in the, as a group. So I think that, I think there may be, I think every other month, but I think there may be some, we need some like specific um, central focus times. I mean, not just an update, but I mean, more intentional check-ins if they're at specific points. So, I mean, these updates are fine. I think that we all want to hear these updates because this is going to be the guiding principle for, uh, for a long time. But at the same time, I think we need, we need to be very intentional with what is being asked in these, discuss, in these conversations. So they're not just, oh, we're just checking a box. So my two cents. Thank you, Mayor.
16: Yeah, just, just in response to that, um, I, I totally hear where you're coming from. And I think the nature of the, these updates and this update tonight is really because we've been talking about vision. It's been, you know, at that really high level. And so I think, you know, as we launch into more of the substance of goals and policies and, you know, flagging areas for maybe a new policy direction, I think that's where we'll really be looking to you and it's going to be a little more focused. Um, So I would anticipate getting more focused as we launch into more of the substance of the plan update and the, and all of that.
0: So, you know. Other comments from council? All right, thank you all so much, and we are adjourned.